Hello. Welcome everybody to Cosmic Dust. Uh hope you had some uh time away from me and uh <laughs> it was good, but we're back. Episode six. I have Susie again on to uh basically talk about some things that she didn't get to talk about uh last time. Um so Susie, why don't you go ahead and uh tell us you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I I'm thinking about this now, and our introduction last time was very, uh, in my opinion, was a little poor. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself again and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Susie Murray. I am 22 years old. I I'm blind. I read a lot of books. <laughs> I'm really into math rock. And uh oh, and like I'm really into anime. That 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 pretty much covers it. That's very true. <laughs> um, well, we talked about Me Too the last time you were on, and uh, you felt that there were some things that happened, uh, especially over the course of of the week that we had off uh, from the show. And um, you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, basically, yes. We got a little bit cut off because um, of the thunder. So I had some things I wanted to, mm, I guess, expound on. I wrote a Twitter thread about it when I shared the first uh, episode that I was on. I guess that was episode five. Uh, and basically, basically, I wanted to reiterate or. I guess just iterate <laughs> because I didn't say it. I wanted to mention that I believe that sexual abuse isn't necessarily about like sex. It's about power because and I mentioned this term before rape culture says that sex equals power and power equals sex in that um, when you when you do the sex uh, that means you you exerted your power over someone and when you are powerful that basically entitles you to sex yeah so like it's that power dynamic that people take advantage of when they are sexually abusing or assaulting someone do you feel like that's uh, a that's like a very male-centric way of viewing sex or do you feel like it can go both ways uh no i definitely think it goes uh both ways i think for a while i think for a while um, uh, I feel like for a long time women felt like they didn't have power in sex and so when women wanted to exert power in sex uh, it would can't come through the abuse of like especially children because that is someone that they have power over um, but I think women and you know people of all genders can both you know can can uh, I think women and people of all genders can exploit the rape culture uh, sentiment that power equals sex and sex equals power. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the thing is, is like when I hear when I hear power, you know, because I'm, I'm so ingrained in me, I think about, oh, you know, power equals man. And, and that's why I said, you know, it's a male-centric point of view. Uh, you know, I, I feel like rape culture is definitely uh centered around what you said it's a centered around power um but i feel like it was implemented definitely by by man 
no for sure rape rape culture is the pervasive like rape culture basically means that society society mm, influences this like it ex rape culture exists in our society it's it's cultivated and uh cultivated and like grown by our media and like uh the way we interact with the world and our society is patriarchal so yes of exactly. course uh rape culture feeds into patriarchal uh views as well right so yeah it is it is very male-centric but that doesn't necessarily mean that women and people of other genders can't exploit that power or want to take that power and use uh use sex to gain power or their power to gain sex right yeah i mean and that and that was clearly shown in the example that we said in the last episode with the smash caster who was uh you know yes for sure going to smash i uh so that continued to happen the whole exposing uh predators oh, yeah. in the community that continued to happen <laughs> oh yeah and obviously like i am 100 percent here for it like get these shitty people out of of our scene because it's it's a video game where you know people of marginalized genders and children exist like they they're in these spaces and we have we have a duty to protect these people but anyway um i feel like literally the day after like i recorded that episode just like it all blew up with big names too really big names. yes i mean zero nairo nairo zero uh anti like oh yeah anti yeah it's very sad it's it's sad that these people like flourished and like you know were able to gain so much money like nairo had so many subs you know and it's like oh subs are only like you know five dollars a month but i swear he made like someone did the math he made like a hundred thousand dollars a month or some weird fucking crazy number yeah uh and zero too you know he's like the he was like the biggest smash player like in smash four like he won a bajillion tournaments in a row and like he just flourished and like these these people who he they, they these people who they abuse like had to watch them you know yeah. grow and like that sucks but anyway so i was you know i was in the comment section which i know i shouldn't be <laughs> uh of all of these things it's always a dark place to go mm -hmm. and i saw a lot of smashers talking about how you know e-girls in smash are to blame you know like we have they're like oh we have such a like the reason predators flourish in our community is because we're really hypersexual and e-girls uh are like in our community and shit and you know if you don't know what e-girls are they're like girls who post you know pictures of themselves in uh or like they just exist online and a lot of yeah. these e-girls in quotes whatever uh they're they're sex workers right they have they post lewd content right or... it's, it's some provocative material and some subjective mm -hmm. material for sure so basically i i saw that thing that this comments and it just it stuck with me the wrong way and i felt like um the last bit of our conversation made it feel like made it feel like like i agree with that and i 100 don't like i sex workers are 100 not to blame for rape culture i think the larger you know porn industry like big porn capital big b porn, capital yeah. b <laughs> uh, is to blame because they feed into these ideas of rape culture but the sex workers themselves who are part of these uh these uh what's the word 
pornographic films <laughs> mm -hmm. who are who are who are taking part in this aren't to blame like they're just trying to make a living you know like they're just it's it's just their job and unfortunately like people get into these industries to you know without knowing that at some point they're gonna have to have to participate in shit that you know contributes to rape culture and that sucks but i know yeah. personally i know a lot of independent sex workers who create like content that that explores healthy sexuality and like female empowerment and you know it's really inclusive of people of all genders and it's just just really explores like this idea of treating your partners well you know how to how to have sex in a way that respects other people right. and like i love that uh i think that if you know 18 year olds uh learn about sexuality from these sex workers like buying their content buying their porn i think that they would they would get the right ideas about sex and how to treat other people in sexual contexts but the likelihood of that happening is probably no. definitely probably not very yeah. high but i like i said i don't think that's the fault of the sex workers in the videos that you know feed into rape culture i really do think that it's, it's no the it's studios, the industry it's the studios who yeah. produce these things absolutely they know you know they know that people will watch this and they continue to do it instead of putting out content that you know explores he healthy sexuality but i don't necessarily think that all porn is bad because uh, i know that porn has like a lot of benefits i had to do like a paper on this in high school um so porn has a lot of like health benefits and it's really good uh it's a really good therapeutic tool for people who you know have aversions to sex or people who are you know trying to uh trying to get back into sex after you know having issues with uh, with trauma as well mm -hmm. so like i also i ultimately don't think it's it's it porn is all bad i think rape culture is at at the heart of these issues and that's like a really obviously that's a really hard thing to change like it sucks to say like this is a systemic issue and to fix this issue we have to fix society and the culture we live in but like that that is the solution to this right and <laughs> we all know how fixing systemic problems has gone for us in this country for a while yeah so <laughs> that's not an easy answer it's not the answer that anybody wants everybody wants like a quick fix of course but like ultimately this is something that we have to do as a society so that means education has to focus on healthy sexuality and teaching you know high schoolers how to have healthy sex how to treat their partners you know how to have safe sex and not just tell them not to do it um this it means that parents have to educate their children on consent it means like society has to show you know show people that just because you're powerful doesn't mean you get sex and just because you know that sex doesn't mean like domination you know sex means connection yeah it, and it's it's funny we talked about this in the last episode too but about education Again, I, I feel like I got none, um, probably because yeah. I got none. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, I, I had to learn it on my own. And, you know, it, it really sucks because um, to know that I'm the majority of people that, you know, goes into this, this wonderful thing that is totally about connection and then just have so many wrong ideas about it. Um, mm -hmm, 100%. So. I um 
damn, my parents are gonna listen to this because they listen to everything I do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love you guys, right? Support me, thank you. But like, I did not get sexual education. Uh, I didn't get it at school and I definitely didn't get it from my parents other than my dad like being really upset anytime I like anytime I was ever hanging out with a dude right uh and like my uh you know my, the rest of my family super invalidating my sexuality uh I'm pansexual by the way so just like invalidating that uh and like my mom she just like I love her to death right I love her but she just like didn't want to talk about it she was like are you on birth control and I was like yes mom she's like okay and that was it. That was the end of the conversation. <laughs> well, it's better uh, than what I got. I mean, my mom basically just gave me a condom and was like, you know, use this. <laughs> that was oh, basically yeah. the talk. <laughs> but basically, what I mean is, my dad was super mad anytime I, uh, anytime I even hung out with a dude. So, right. And like, exploring my sexuality was not something that I was, you know, supposed to do. So then, when I went into you know, being an adult and trying to figure that out, it came with like this this whole level of like shame and like uncomfortable, like it was like an uncomfortable, shameful experience that I felt like I didn't feel connected with other people. I felt like gross and dirty. And like that just got so much worse after I got assaulted. And it's, it's been like really hard to grapple with after that. And it just sucks that not only my assault, but like my upbringing played into this, you know? Yeah. But I do believe that sexuality is like a, a very healthy, uh, it's a healthy human experience. It's something that people need unless they're, you know, asexual. Now, forgive me if I'm misremembering, but I, I, I do remember a period where you, you said that you were asexual. Is that still the case? I believe I'm gray asexual or demisexual, mm-hmm. which are not the same thing as like full asexual. Um, to be gray asexual means that you don't, uh, you don't feel sexual very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like once, once, once every so often when the wind is blowing in the correct <laughs> direction, you know. When the blue uh, moon be, rises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be demisexual means that. Um, to be demisexual sort of means that you only feel sexual attraction, sexual attraction to someone that you're very close to. Uh, so like you don't you don't go into uh, relationships thinking you know you don't go into relationships thinking this person is sexually attractive you you grow that attraction whereas I believe uh, don't quote me on this because I am not allosexual which means you know not demisexual uh, I believe that other people uh, think can like think someone is is sexually attractive and not know anything about them right and that is not how how I exist like I feel no sexual attraction to people I don't know anything about yeah I I could definitely say I'm the opposite (laughs) (laughs) okay so that that confirms it I yeah I wasn't sure if that's how other people operated because that's not me right but that is I guess that's the definition of being allosexual yeah I you know it's funny because like I, I would often find myself like looking at other people and being like wow like oh my gosh they're they're beautiful like i want to get to know them like i want to learn more about them and like uh it was based off of like just sexual attraction and then i would get to know them and i'd be like wow i don't i don't like you (laughs) (laughs) so i think i think your way is definitely a better way of of tactfulness i guess i don't know i mean i guess you know it's just it's everyone's you know it's everyone's 
it's your preference, right? And for me, I think that, I mean, I'm blind, right? So it feeds into it. Like, I can't see someone and, and, and be like, damn, they're hot. I'm trying to fuck. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, that was a little vulgar. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, like, I have to know them. Like, I have to, like, the way I feel attraction to people or the way I start feeling, you know, close to someone is that they're talking to me, you know, they're, they're speaking to me. Uh, it doesn't even have to be over voice, you know, it's just like in text, they seem like a nice person. As I start to grow closer to them, I'm, I don't really, you know, it's like not really, a, like, I don't want to say like, oh, love is blind or whatever, but like, for me especially, it really is. <laughs> I can't fucking see. <laughs> I would like to quickly state that I actually can see a little bit. I have some usable vision. I'm still blind. We're stopping the conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> No, let's, let's talk about your blindness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so I haven't always been this blind. I used to just be visually impaired or low vision. Uh, I was born with glaucoma, which is caused by my accent-filled Rieger's syndrome. I recently found out that it's Rieger's syndrome. Uh, fun fact. And which not a lot of people, a, yeah, not a lot of people know what that is. It's, it's a rare genetic, it's a rare genetic uh, mutation that, uh, happens on the FOXC1 gene or the PITX2 gene or even some other gene that they haven't identified yet because people have, you know, ARS symptoms without having markers on the, without having mutations on those two genes. And basically the symptoms of that are, is a syndrome, so it's just a collection of symptoms. So you can either have, you know, glaucoma, which is a very common symptom. You have other things wrong with, you know, the production of your eyes. Like my eyes just aren't shaped properly. Uh, I have weird shaped uh, pupils. They're kind of cat-like and elongated. Uh, it also affects your facial structure. So I have like a sort of pronounced forehead, a really like non-existent nose bridge and a uh, protruding bottom lip that doesn't really match my top one. And that's all Rieger's syndrome. Uh, I don't look like anyone else in my family, but when I see pictures of other people with Rieger's syndrome, I look exactly like them. It's really cool. Interesting. Uh, I always thought that you looked like your sister a little bit, but... A little bit. Like, you can see it in the facial features that aren't those things, but, like, mm. I don't have anyone's nose. I don't have their eyes. You know, I, I look very, very different than everyone else in my family. Uh, I think there's enough family resemblance that I don't look adopted. Yes. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I do look different. Well, I, it's funny when you when you met my family, they thought that you were Asian, and that's a, a common misconception that you get a lot. I think a lot, a lot. I something so, it's something to do with uh, my eyes, uh, the way that they're shaped. Um, my sister gets it too, though. So yeah, well, it's I, just our features. And and you you do not wear glasses anymore. No, I right? used to. I used to yes. wear extremely thick, <laughs> like Coke bottle very, glasses. Very, very thick. Yes, I remember. Uh, but recently, not recently, about two years ago, my vision got so bad that like glasses don't help anymore. Like I put them on, they're supposed to work. These are my prescription. I put them on and my vision doesn't change. Like Jeez. they don't help. So I just don't wear them anymore. Um, I, like I said, I have usable vision. Uh, I can see, I can count fingers about two feet in front of me. They can't use the, you know, the chart where you read things anymore. My vision is too bad for that. But I can count fingers about two feet in front of me. So that's pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. I you have know, no light perception in my right eye though. That this is all about right. my left eye, by yeah. the way. Yeah. It, it's funny because I remember you you had me try on your glasses once. Um and it was literally about half an inch thick glass within the frames. <laughs> um and I remember putting them on and just like almost immediately getting like this insane head rush and headache like you know and it's funny because people people nowadays they'll be like oh i'm i'm blind like trust me like my glasses like you'll put them on you can't see and i'll be like yeah i'll be the judge of that <laughs> like <laughs> i've had the epitome of like blind epitome. glasses or yeah the epitome of blind people glasses and yeah it's just nothing has compared to that that feeling that i got when i put your glasses on and to say that those ones don't even work for you anymore, that's insane to me yeah it's it's straight up it's nuts uh i so like i'm legally blind now uh so that's why i get to say i'm blind thank you very much um <laughs> um so yeah i didn't always used to be this blind i it's been progress it's been progressively getting worse because i have glaucoma it's a progressive disease most people get it when they're old so they never really get uh my level of glaucoma but that that it just is what it is you know and um so i'm legally blind uh i would like to quickly state that the definition of legally blind is 20 uh 2200 best corrected so you can't tell me you'd be legally blind without your glasses that is that is factually incorrect you can't be legally blind without glasses only i can be legally blind without glasses because this is the best it's gonna get <laughs> it's straight up people try to relate to me they're like oh yeah i'd be legally blind without my glasses i'm like okay but you're not but you're literally not you can drive a car i would like to drive the car <laughs> i mean honestly i wouldn't it's like if i if someone told me right now you can go drive a car with your vision i would not absolutely not i, I would bro not i would crash all. this car i would crash this car I don't want to drive the car. Oh my gosh. Now, you are definitely um, you're a tech-savvy person, in my opinion. Um, and yet you you build computers and you, you use your computers a lot and your phone a lot um, while being legally blind. Um, how does that, you know, how does that incorporate itself? Like, do you, do you find that a lot of things that you do are, are problematic or they're just like, they bring up a lot of issues or, or no? Well, tech is really, really accessible now. Um, computers, they have screen readers. You can make your text super big. I get super close to the screen, uh, but I also have really big text. I have high contrast mode on, which means I have a black background and white text for almost everything because that makes it easier for me to read. Uh, so tech itself is really accessible, uh, like my computer wise, uh, and phones too. I also have that high contrast mode on large text. I can zoom in and I can also turn on screen reader if I'm having a really bad day. So my phone and my computer are very, very usable. Uh, tech is one of the like most equalizing things about, uh, one of the most equalizing accessibility tools for blind people. Uh, it does suck. I'm like an avid, avid gamer. Uh, yes. I always have been. Uh, I've always have been, so it's been a weird transition trying to, for me, um, I don't get to pick games based on, you know, oh, that looks fun, I would like to play it and then buy it. I always have to pick games based on what I can play, uh, because I, I do play games, I can play games, 
uh, they just have to be the right kind of game. So I play Minecraft a lot. I play a lot of like factory simulators uh, and just general like management simulators. Uh, I play a lot of Japanese uh, role-playing games too because they're like text-based and turn-based for the most part. And as long as I have the time to zoom in on something, you know, I can play a game and it's really fun. It's, I like being able to do things that I enjoy. Uh, in regards to building the computers, um, it's, to me, it's a lot like cooking in that as long as I have the directions and I can do most things by touch and feel, uh, it's really not super difficult. Yeah. It, it, you know, you say that and I think about myself trying to build a computer and I immediately freak out and think that I'm going to ruin it. And I don't even have any parts yet, so it's like... <laughs> I mean, if you can do it, then I can definitely do it. That's how this I feel about thing, it. This is my thing, for sure. I am, I will 100% tell anybody, I built my computer. Like, you can build your computer, I built my computer. Yeah. I can't see. Well, I can see a little <laughs> bit. I use my camera a lot. The camera on my phone, uh, I call it my camera eyeballs. Because I just, I use my camera to zoom in on stuff uh, right. if I really can't see it. So, because I can bring the camera as close as possible to my face. And then I can like, I can see my friend's faces. When I first meet someone, I have no idea what they look like. And it feels kind of weird, but, you know, the second time you meet someone, you be like, hey, can I zoom in really close to your face? <laughs> so I have friends that, like, I would consider them friends. I've never seen their faces, you know? And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be like, oh, hey, by the way, like, can I, can I see you really quick? They're like, what? Like, I just want to zoom in with my camera. I would like to see you really quick. And they're usually okay with it. But they, like, I just think it's really strange. I have friends I've never seen. Uh, and I would like to see them, you know? Like, it's cool. I like seeing it. I like seeing. <laughs> I like seeing. That's the whole statement. <laughs> the whole statement is I like seeing. And it's weird. It's it's just a little bit weird. Uh, my life's a little bit weird. I don't, I don't dislike it, though. I, uh... I like the person that I am because my life is weird. Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, out of, out of all the people that I've met and all the people that have gone through significant amount of trauma, including myself, I feel like you have, you, you come out on top and you <laughs> basically make the best out of any situation that's thrown out of you, so adaptability is the top skill I have probably learned in my life uh, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that I like bounce back from anything right away I constantly say that you know I you come to meet the new normal and you know life comes and crashes your new normal you know and you have to pick up the pieces and create a new new normal and it's it's exhausting it's tiring it takes a lot of effort but it can be done and like you can you can continue to you can continue to create a beautiful mosaic out of all your broken pieces you know yeah and i, I think that's a, a a very great analogy that um we should be taking into our daily life um as as a one person and as a society as a whole especially now more than ever it's it's been so it's been so i don't know man it's it's been it's a been year difficult. it's it's been a year and like hasn't it's, even been a year it's only it halfway. hasn't even i'm so i'm so exhausted already i yeah. just i was exhausted in april <laughs> <laughs> i know right i'm like i'm beyond exhausted at this point especially with the uh oh my god i made a fa i made a facebook post about this literally 
30 minutes before. I read this it. Whole, yeah. This whole school's reopening thing, it's making my heart break. It really is. Like, I just, it makes, it, it hurts my heart. Like, kids matter, you know, like kids, kids' lives, they're, they're not gonna, they're already traumatized from this. You know, like, yeah. this pandemic is traumatizing. Things are never gonna be the same after this. And, uh, you know, to force them to go back to school and live with the guilt and trauma of like watching their friends, teachers, family, faculty, you know, die. It's awful. It's awful. That's going to be so traumatic because I can't imagine the guilt of getting like getting sick at school, you know, being 16 years old and getting sick at school. Uh, and I'm going to be fine. You know, I'm 16 years old, but I take it home, you know, to my parents, to my grandparents and they die like that guilt yeah. is is it's crushing you know yeah. mm -hmm. i just don't think like i just don't think we're thinking about the repercussions of this like i don't think we're treating no, people no, as people we're not, and I, and we're not being that, empathetic you know right i i think that it all has to do with the new normal what that we're not accepting um mm -hmm. you know there, there's still a ton of people out there that think that you know, this is just going to blow over and everything's going to go back to the way it used to be. But that is not the case mm -hmm. at all. Um, we want to go back to business as usual, you know? Right. And like, that's not going to happen. Things are never going to be the way they were. We're going to get a new normal. We're going to pick up the pieces and create a new normal, but it's not going to be the same as it was. And that's okay, because the way that it was before sucked for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. It, and, you know, I, I told you this the other day. I, I, I still can't believe that there are, you know, people that exist in this country that, you know, think that wearing a mask is a political statement. Um, oh my God, yeah. Rather than, you know, just the protection of other people's lives. Um, it, 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 it really is like a mind-boggling experience because I can't even, I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine being like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, this is... Um, there's this pandemic going on and I'm not going to wear a mask to save other people's lives because it's against my quote unquote rights. It's not about rights. It's about protecting your neighbors. It's about protecting your family. And uh, that seems to be, you know, just not on the foreground for some people. And that, that, that really blows me away. America was very ill-prepared for a pandemic that literally only required people to be considerate of others and like and we think about that. the collective good <laughs> like we had to yep. think about we all, all we had to do was think about the collective good and be considerate of others and that is not the society that America like cultivates that's not the culture we cultivate and uh, that sucks yeah it really does <laughs> and you know I, I think about it more and more and just like you're absolutely right that this is not the society that thinks about um, the greater good or the you know the good of all people this is this is america land of opportunity quote unquote you know it's it's almost like every man for themselves that's that's Very how i see individualistic, it individualistic for sure yeah. so when something like this happens um we're only thinking about ourselves i mean you can see where that's got us so yeah for sure it's um it's awful because there are a lot of people who can't wear masks you know like disability wise and i'm not talking about these little these little cards that people are making like oh i have a disability oh, yeah, the, fake cards. And <laughs> the fake cards no they're like legitimate people with legitimate disabilities who can't handle the sensory input who already have trouble breathing who you know have trauma that 
makes them not be able to cover their mouth. I'm like, these are super valid concerns and we should try to provide them, you know, with different opportunities, like, or different, you know, adaptive equipment, like face shields, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, and just having everyone else, you know, who mm-hmm. doesn't have that disability, just wear a mask. That's it. Literally. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> just a, it's just a reasonable accommodation. Like I see people, you know, they're filming them. They're at the store. They're like, you have to let me in. I don't have a mask. And they're trying to reasonably accommodate them. They'll say, oh, we'll go do your shopping for you if you can't, if you can't wear a mask. And they're like, no, no, I want to go into the store. I'm like, dude, they're trying to accommodate you. They're literally trying. And that's all the ADA requires of them. That's all like, it, that's all that's required to be a good person. It's just accommodate someone. And you're, you're, you're not taking it. And that is like 100% the mark of someone who doesn't care, who doesn't, you know, yeah, and just doesn't give a it's shit. It's just so it's so freaky to me to see videos, like on Twitter and Facebook of like, there's one that really got me is um, a woman who wanted to get let into a bar, and she didn't have a mask on. And the bar clearly said you have to wear a mask like to come in. And uh she basically just started like barging against the door, like running at the door to try and break it down. Like as oh my they God, held it's, it closed. It's it's, it's terrifying. Like <laughs> these are actual that's... people that exist. Like it, and to me, it's just like how how are you a person? How are you How are you real? How do you how are you real? How do you exist? Ugh. The bar is not that important. Like <laughs> it's not and if it is wear a mask what is so hard literally i think texas i live in texas right i'm suffering bro yeah texas uh i think texas closed bars again i'm not 100 sure i literally i'm just so off of the radar about what texas is doing i know we mandated masks like you can get a fine yeah after 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 your governor basically was like oh yeah um you don't have to do that at all and then like two weeks later after opening he was just like yeah you know what um uh wear masks <laughs> straight up it's awful it's awful awful uh texas uh texas is you know texas is they're really ill prepared for this um our our hospitals are over you know overcrowded my hometown my hometown i don't live there anymore but my home my hometown is you know we have like three major hospitals and they are full they are full they are not taking patients in the emergency room you know nurses are t- holding on to dirty uh, protective equipment like masks and stuff so they can sanitize it and use it again you know like it's awful it's awful these people are suffering and all we have to do to prevent that is limit our activities outside continue to protect ourselves and people just aren't doing it it's like how do you how do you how do you justify that to yourself when you know that your actions could cause you know the death of others the way I like to think about it is if I got if I got COVID-19 and I had to think about all the people I came in contact with that I would have to you know contact and say hey you need to get tested you could get sick and you could die am I okay with that number you know Right. Am I okay with the number of people I come in contact with that could die, you know? And, you know, I, I give Texas a bad rap and so do you, but it's it's not just <laughs> Texas. It's all over the world. It's even, you know, as, as good as Connecticut has been doing, 
um, you know, our numbers are still high. That's the thing. Um, so we've been doing a good job of like, you know, wearing masks, keeping our distance. Um, but then I see, you know, you know, the, the moment that the light is shed, that things are somewhat getting better. It's like, everybody just forgets. Everybody forgets that, you know, this thing still exists and it's still going on. And, you know, as soon as things got better for Connecticut, now I just see my friends going out to the beaches, going out to bars, and then, you know, even going as far as traveling to other states. I have friends that went yes. to Florida this week, and I'm like, Oh my God, Florida doing? has the most cases right what now. They literally... Like, are you... Are you? Ugh, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, and they're going to come back here, and, you know, according to law, they have to be quarantined, and I know they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. And it's just so depressing to me to think about that, you know, these people that I call my friends are not, they're just not thinking about it at all. Um, and they're not thinking about the people that they're around either. So it's very upsetting. Super, super upsetting. Um, I, I, super upsetting. I think a lot of people, you know, think they're, think they're infallible, think they're, they're not vulnerable, you know? And I think the only people who, who really feel like they're vulnerable or people who legitimately are the people who are immunocompromised or people who live with people who are immunocompromised or people who mm -hmm. live with people with you know disabilities people who live with older older people with older parents with older grandparents with young children and for some reason people you know my age seem to think they're infallible like they're not going to get sick and if they get sick it's just a flu and they don't think about all the people they come in contact with for whom that could not be the case and um, I, I saw on the news the other day that te Texas was actually holding, well, not Texas itself, but people in Texas were holding COVID parties. I don't know if you heard about that. I saw that. I saw that happening. Oh, I saw that news story too, but I also saw it from other, like other places, not yeah. only Texas. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the, the story that I heard from the kid actually died. So he got COVID from going to the party and then he actually ended up dying. So yeah, it's awful. It's just so idiotic. Like, I don't think. And when I talk to my friends about this kind of stuff, and I question, why aren't you, why aren't you distancing yourself? Why are you not going out? Like, what? Or like, why are you going out? You know? And it's all just excuses. And I'm just like, what? What excuse? You know? Do you have to? It just. You're trying to protect yourself and other people. Like there, there should be no excuse for that. Seriously, it's just, it's just this lack of care for other people. It's this lack of empathy, and not that I think empathy is required, because I know a lot of people uh, with disabilities who struggle with, you know, feeling empathy. But I don't think empathy is required to be a good person. I think the only thing you need is a a knowledge, a a understanding and knowledge that other people have feelings and their feelings matter too and that's just that's not what empathy is empathy is just you know being able to feel other people's feelings but just knowing what the right thing to do is and doing it that's all that's required to be a good person that's literally it you don't even have to care you just have to know that other people's lives matter you know yeah. and it's and it's not to say that the you know my my friends and the people that do choose to not follow social distancing or whatever you know i'm not saying you're a bad person but i'm saying that you should know that what you're doing 
could potentially cause harm to somebody else. And, you know, sure. everybody is allowed to make their choices. Everyone is allowed to go ahead and go outside. You know, at least in Connecticut, you can go outside now and you can gather as, you know, as, as much as is allowed. But again, it's just like, think about, think about, like what you said, think about the number of people that you could be affecting and whether or not that number is worth it. For sure. I, I don't necessarily think that people who aren't doing this are bad people, but I think it's a bad decision. Yeah. I think I think it's a bad decision. And I I think it's a decision that that is very rooted in being individualistic and not, you know, thinking right. as a community, thinking right. as a whole. And I I think that's an issue. I think the lack of thinking as a community is a huge issue that causes a lot of systemic issues. And like I said earlier, let's tie that in. Uh, <laughs> systemic issues are hard to fix, you know, like yes. as a community or as a society, we have so many systemic issues that stem from not thinking collectively, not thinking as a community, not thinking as a whole, uh, not thinking about all of the people who live here you know all of the people that live in our state in our country in our regions and in the world you know like if we tried to think of ourselves as a global community i think we could fix a lot of systemic issues but obviously how do you change that without breaking everything <laughs> first it's yeah. it's hard you gotta break the wheel you gotta be daenerys Sorry, I've been, Gosh, watching a lot of, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones lately again. <laughs> yeah, you said. I don't know what it is. I just, I went back to that show because I was just, I was just feeling like I needed something relatable. <laughs> <laughs> is that relatable? <laughs> I needed something relatable to our, our, our daily life so I could feel something, but. Your brother is watching the only good thing that brings him joy, and you're watching Game of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, okay, my brother's been watching New Girl a lot, and um, I don't get it. <laughs> but again, he's it's a show that he's already watched, and Game of Thrones is a show that I've already watched, and I, I think there's there's an odd comfort in re-watching a show that you like oh i know this i'm yeah. watching i'm rewatching steven universe and the reason <laughs> science are you ready the reason that people who are, have anxiety and people who don't normally have anxiety but are very anxious right now are re-watching something is because they already know what's going to happen they don't have to live with the anxiety of wondering what's going to happen in the show when they're trying to deal with the anxiety of everything they already right. know what's gonna happen, and it's soothing and it's comforting. That's super interesting. I wonder why that. I wonder if that's why they put Avatar back on Netflix or on Netflix <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I always, whenever I'm having a, an issue, you know, I I rewatch, you know, Steven Universe. I watch. I've literally watched the same movies like hundreds of times. I watch Big Hero Six. I watch Wreck It Ralph. I watch Rent. I am a child. Um, <laughs> no. I'm not a child. Rent is not for children. I watched it in fourth grade. Thanks, mom. Love you. <laughs> There's your sex education. Hey, you know what? That's that's why she didn't say anything else. She was like, I got you. Rent. Rent. <laughs> we, we accept people of all genders, of all sexualities, and if you have sex, you're going to get AIDS. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. 
I love it. Oh I'm just God. kidding. No, Rent is not about having sex and getting AIDS. Rent is a wholesome story about living your life to the fullest even when you have AIDS because the AIDS crisis was awful. It was awful for the queer community. Yeah. I love Rent. I love it. I don't love Rent. I made you watch it though, so. You know, I know. At, le- at least, I- I'm sorry I couldn't convert you. It's okay. It's okay. I know I think that- it's just. I think it's just musicals for me. I, I can't really get... I can't really get past it. Have you watched Hamilton with your mom yet? Yo, it's funny. My mom the other day was like, "Oh, we gotta watch Hamilton. It's on. It's on Disney Plus. You have Disney Plus, right? We gotta watch it." And I was like, "Uh, please, I don't want to watch it." And um, she had no idea what she was getting into. Um, she so started watching it for like five minutes, and she's just like, "Why are they rapping?" <laughs> Yeah, it's a rap. It's a. It's a. <laughs> rap I was like, yeah, this is the same guy who made In the Heights. Like, I love. In the I Heights, can't understand yeah. any of this. Like, <laughs> she couldn't follow it at all. She can't follow rap music. She can't. She's not. That's. Quick it's, enough it's not to even like it. heavy rap. It's like. It's not. Slow. It's very slow. She's just. She just gave up on it after like 15 minutes. She's like, I can't watch this anymore. This is garbage. Awful, I was like, holy awful. shit. It's like, mom, so this sad. is a I critically love... acclaimed musical. Like, this is right up your alley. She's like, nope, nope, I can't watch it. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> More Star Wars for me. Awful. But... I mean, that sucks. I really does suck. I love, I love musicals. That's also something I enjoy. Um, I, I adore musicals. Obviously, I have a favorite musical. Yeah, I, it's I mean, I used to be, <laughs> I used to be into theater and into musicals back in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think that the, the, the people ruined it for me. I feel like the people that were My involved in musicals were feels just the same way. She's a theater kid, and she just like she's a theater kid. She's still in the theater program. Sure, her talk about her... an individualistic culture. Um, the, <laughs> the, theater kid. My sister, no, she's she's a like she continued to do theater. She, her her major, she's a double major in neuroscience and theater. Wow. Uh, she does everything. I've talked about my sister. I'll talk about my sister to anybody. She's amazing. I literally, I love her for what she does and who she is. And I think she can be such an amazing person when she like when she grows up. Obviously, she's like in college. She's not fully grown yet. But when she grows mm-hmm. up, I think she's gonna do like amazing things. She is, she is just so confident. Like, determined to do whatever she wants i love that you know she's always been such an individual person sorry and and sorry. sister rant <laughs> and sister rant but anyway yeah theater is very individualistic because uh, you know it's all about it's real ruthless like it's real it's really really ruthless because everything you know you're a cast you're together as a cast but the cast has a cast with the E at the end system, you know, mm-hmm. like the people, the same people always get the best, you know, always get the lead roles. And then there's, you know, the, you know, the chorus, the, the extra people, you know, yeah, the people on the sidelines, there's the crew, you know, and like, you want to think of theater as a community, but it's, it's really not like these, these people are constantly, my sister tells me these people are constantly, you know, like shit talking each other behind each other's backs. And, yeah. You know, yep. That is the thing that happens. <laughs> And it's funny that you say that because in, when I was doing theater in high school, like the same kid who had the lead role, he had the lead role for three years straight and until mm-hmm. he graduated. And like there was, I, you know, and, and, and we were a small school, so, and there wasn't a lot of funding for the arts, but I would definitely say that there was 
people that deserved another shot in the spotlight rather than the same person over and over again or the same people over and over again because it's not just one person for sure Um, i totally believe that you know like there are people who are just really great actors like there are people you know in high school who are good actors um and they should get you know they should get roles and stuff but i think i think at least for you know the I think at least for other roles, you have to give people an opportunity to have a like a speaking role and not just a chorus role, you know, like, right. Yeah, you are trying to, you know, you're trying to create a good show, but it's also like an extracurricular activity for a lot of people who like, you know, extracurriculars are for, you know, getting experience and doing something, you know, and it's disheartening to, you know, spend four years of your life on something and never, never had a chance to be anything other than a background (laughs) person. Right. That sucks. That really sucks. Um, I am not a theater kid. These are just my uh, my observations, <laughs> having you know cared about my sister. Yeah, and I think your observations are correct. Um, I think the other side of the argument would be that you know you you need those people to be in the background. Like they're all parts of the same machine. Quote oh, unquote. for sure. Um, I think people people in the background matter, but I think that you know it it is it is important to not only teach people how to be in the spotlight, but also how to teach people how to be in the background. Right. And there's, you know, there's people who have constantly lived their lives being, you know, being, you know, talented. You know, I see things on Twitter. It's like if students who are in gifted and talented students who are in pre-AP classes now are all, are all depressed, are all like, <laughs> if you, you go through life. Getting everything people, you want. Sh- with people telling you that you're special that like you're right. you're you're smart you're you're uh excuse me you're smart you're talented you're 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 amazing you know and like i totally believe that that is a that is great you know like it's great to build people up but we also have to teach them how to how to deal with how to deal with the fact that you can be amazing you can be great you can be smart but so many other people are also these things. Right. And it, it's funny you say that because all the kids who were superstars in high school theater, they don't do theater anymore. And if you want to know why that is, is because they went into the industry of theater and then they saw exactly what you just said and they gave up. And they mm-hmm. went into something else. They found a different passion. They went down a different path. And, you know, we we don't teach kids that the competitive nature of those types of industries until the big leagues, quote unquote, until like college, until you're just starting to get into it. Like we baby students um, to think that, you know, like you said, they're special. There's no one like them. And then they get out into the world and they realize that, Oh shit, I'm just one of like a large group of people that are exactly like me. And I have to stand out somehow. For sure. I think, um, like, like I said, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to, you know, tell kids that they matter, to tell them that they are special because they are like every, I, I, I truly believe that every single person is special, you know, to someone you are special, to someone you matter, you know, to someone you are the world. And like that, that's a really good thing to keep in your heart and to remember. But it's also important to, to know and remember that, for as much as you're special to a lot of people, uh, for as much as you're so important to a lot of people, for so many other people, you're just, you're just a person. Like you're just, 
the background character. You're just the person in the store. You know, you're just that person in their class. Um, you don't have to, you can't, you know, be special to every single person in the world. You can't be unique. So many people in your life are just going to meet you and just, you're just some person that they met. Right. You're not special to them. And I think, I think, I think the uh, moral of this entire podcast is we don't teach children, period. <laughs> we are failing children. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, I think we are absolutely failing uh, in our education, for sure. I, uh, but I, I also think that um, for as much as like we feel that our parents failed us, I feel like our parents feel like they failed. Our parents feel like their parents failed them and all they wanted to do was be better than their parents so all we want to do is be better than our parents and if this continues you know if we continue to try to create you know people who are more healthy emotionally than we were things will get better eventually and that's all we can do is to try to create a better world for our children so they can create a better world for their children i sure hope so (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny i think that um I think I was told a lot when I was a kid that I was special and that I had talent and that I had all these things and that I could put them to, you know, whatever uses I desired. Um, and in a way, I think that I got a big head from that. And I think that it lasted for a very, very long time. Uh, even until college, I thought, you know, it, it's like you said, like to a lot of people, you're just that one kid in the classroom that they, see every time they go to class but whenever I would go to class I I would always think to myself being like you know oh the person sitting next to me how do I how do I get them to know me how do I you know how do I put my self out there how do I get them to know me and there was always this this feeling that I got of like oh like you should you should be you know getting your name out there you should always be uh, trying to let people know how great you are. And um, something that I learned in college was like, uh, especially when I went to Japan, um, was trying to be humble, trying to be a better person and not trying to, uh, I guess, quote unquote, show off. Um, and like, that's that was something that I had to learn, uh, you know, very late, I guess. Um, and I feel like a lot of kids are like that. Um, they always feel like they have to show off everything that they have. Um, but some things are better left, uh, you know, for the moments that they are to be shown. Not every single moment. I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) No, that makes sense for sure. Like, uh, I don't know. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to feel like when they walk into a room, you know, things start happening you know everyone right. everyone feels like they're the main character of their story because they are like to we only have our point of view we only ever have our point of view um like really like we can go and watch media that tries to give us a point of view of other people and that's very important for building you know empathy and building building you know our worldviews. but ultimately we will only ever experience our points of view so we are the main characters of our stories to ourselves but it's important to remember that everybody else is living their own stories and you're, you 
you're just a side character to some people you just have to you just have to realize that everyone else has their own life going on and uh that matters you know that matters collectivism we, we matter everybody matters everybody has a place in the world and that is that is good and that is okay and we need to teach not only not only self-love self-acceptance you know self-worth but also you know community, community. Yeah. yes community worth yes 100 